Well, top of the morning and welcome to 88.5 FM KTEP, your NPR station for the Southwest. Looking ahead for weather for the day, sunny skies, the fog's all burned off, a little bit of humidity for later in the afternoon and a high of 57. The overnight low getting down to about 40 in the high 35 in the valley regions, tomorrow's high 63. Windy on Thursday, nothing really major, although they are saying patches of blowing dust, but that'll only impact uh, drivers heading westbound from El Paso to Arizona, usually in the afternoon hours. So we'll see how that also plays out simply because they've had rain over the last three or four days. So the the dusty areas in and around southern and southeastern uh, New Mexico and Arizona, that's probably not going to be such a, an impact for your drive on Thursday. Currently at 51 degrees, this is the last full day of Hanukkah, and joining us this morning, Rabbi Levy Greenberg. Thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate you coming in. Good morning, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be here. Good morning to you. Hanukkah is such a special time, and as we've been talking off mic before we uh, opened up the mics to to talk about this, as uh, I've explained, I'm a little in the dark, so to speak, when it comes to Hanukkah. I know it's a magical time, but I don't know all of the magical history behind it. And there is quite a quite a history behind Hanukkah. That's right, yes. Uh, Hanukkah is a holiday that commemorates a miracle that occurred over 2,000 years ago in the ancient land of Israel. Uh, at the time, uh, the ancient Greek Empire conquered the land of Israel. And when they took control of the land, they wanted to allow the Jewish people to continue living there in peace, but uh, on condition that they would assimilate to their culture, that they would forsake the traditions of the Torah that they had received from Sinai a thousand years prior, and that they should start to adopt the Greek culture. And many of the Jewish people resisted that. They wanted to remain loyal to their traditions and to their heritage. And uh, when the Greeks realized that they weren't going to get their way in a nice way, they resorted to oppression. And they started to... um, They made many decrees outlawing various traditions. Most of all, they outlawed Jewish education. They did not allow children to learn the Torah from their elders. And they also took control of the Holy Temple. And uh, the the daily service in the Holy Temple ceased. I mean, it was impossible to continue. And uh, this went on for quite a few years until there was a small band of Jewish people. Uh, They're famously known today as the Maccabees. And um, they started to fight the Greeks. And uh, they were very outnumbered. They didn't have the same weapons as the Greeks or the military training. um, But they just fought on the basis of their faith in God. And miraculously, they were victorious. Battle after battle, they won until finally they regained control of the temple. When they came to the temple, they wanted to restore, they wanted to uh, restart the daily service. And one of the most important parts of the service is lighting the candelabra, the menorah. Mm And in order to do so, they needed to find a very specific type of oil. There was plenty of oil around, but they needed to have ritually pure oil. Uh, but they couldn't find any of that because when uh, the temple was seized by, uh, by the enemy, they, they made sure that all the oil that was there would be ritually contaminated uh, and therefore not fit for use for the menorah. And a miracle occurred, and they found one flask of oil that, was enough, uh, that had a seal of the high priest and it was enough for it to burn for one night and to obtain more oil Um, at the quality and spiritual quality that they needed would take another eight days. But they filled up the menorah and they kindled the lamps and uh, they hoped for the best. And a miracle occurred. 
And that oil that was meant to last only for one night burned for eight days and nights until new oil came. So that miracle is what we celebrate on Hanukkah for eight days. On the anniversary of the beginning of that miracle, we start to light a menorah, mm-hmm. uh, a candelabra, which has eight branches. On the first night, we light only one candle. On the second night, we light two and then three. Last night, we lit seven candles. And tonight, we're going to light eight candles. That's going to be the final night of Hanukkah. So that's, in a nutshell, the, the history and the tradition of Hanukkah, the core of the tradition. Along with that comes the cuisine of Hanukkah. is one of my favorite things, the oil-based foods like the potato latkes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Those are good. I've had plenty of them. <laughs> it's already day number seven. I wish we had a legitimate delicatessen here in town where we could actually sup on that because that would be wonderful. The next time I come on Hanukkah, I'll bring you a plate of latkes. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you so much. The, the, but the whole tradition – the lessons that come with Hanukkah, um, when when you pass them down to the children, you know the children, they get little gifts as well, right? Correct. The the, the we'll talk about it, the kids the, now. Yeah, and now the, I'm thinking about the kids, and I'm thinking about specifically the dreidel. Right. So the dreidel. So most holidays in Judaism, so we have the history, we have the story, we have the tradition, we have cuisine. But uh, I believe Hanukkah is the only one that we actually have a tradition that's actually a game. Okay. That's the, the game of dreidel. Dreidel is a top. Um, it's not your typical type of top. Mm-hmm. It has four sides to it. And uh, each side has another letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which I'll explain soon. But first I would like to give uh, the history of the dreidel. Okay, please. As we mentioned earlier, um, the, the Greeks during that time, they had outlawed Jewish education. And many Jewish children, they were willing to sacrifice their lives in order to continue learning their traditions and to continue learning the Torah. So there, was a, there would be a group of children. They would get together and they would, a teacher would come with them out to the caves and they would set up two children or, or some more. They, they would be like the scouts. They would watch to see if, um, if the patrols were coming to find them, you know, to shut down the school. And whenever they would see Greek patrols coming towards the caves, they would warn them. They would hide the teacher and they would hide the, the scrolls that they had and they would take out these tops and they would play with it. So the game of top, the dreidel, uh-huh. that was the cover for all the Jewish schools that were going on, all that Jewish education that was going on during that time. Oh so goodness. in the merit of the dreidel, we have Jewish tradition today because the children then uh-huh. continued their studies. Wow. So that's why we play with the dreidel. And on each side of the dreidel, there are four Hebrew letters. There's the nun, the gimel, the hey, and shin. Those four letters are the first letters of four words, nes, gadol, haya, sham, which means a great miracle happened there in the land of Israel. Interestingly, in the land of Israel, they have a different type of dreidel that has a different letter on it, which means a great miracle happened here. So <laughs> this game, is, it's fun. Kids like to play it, um, but it, there's a lot of history to it. Who teaches uh, the children to, to play dreidel? Uh, I, I guess it's generational? Uh, absolutely generational. My parents played the dreidel, and they taught me how to play the dreidel, and that's just the way it goes. It goes from generation to generation, okay. just like the lighting of the menorah. Oh, my goodness. The, tradition is such a wonderful thing, and I, I remember I, – I keep thinking about um, Fiddle on the Roof and, and this song about tradition, and – Oftentimes, you'll hear people nowadays saying, tradition this, tradition that, it's all going away, it's, it's not like it used to be, all that. 
But when and, and then speaking of Christmas as the holiday virtually disappearing, it's now become very commercial, they say, it's this, that, and the other. Hanukkah, to me, has not become commercial. It's it stayed pure, it, it seems to me, over the last 2,000 years. Uh, you've kept the tradition alive. You pass it on to generations. And now you get to pass it on to an entire community of folks like uh, like me who are learning why it's such a rich and wonderful tradition. Same with uh, on the other side of the coin with, with Passover. It's such a rich tradition, and it's not commercial, not like Easter has turned into. Well, what we endeavor to do is uh, to stick to the tradition. And, in fact, if you look at the, at the menorah, at the flames of the menorah, they, they have a lesson for us with how to retain tradition. Um, if you look at a flame, a flame never gets old. You know, as long as the flame is there, it's the same flame. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, as long as it's giving off light and as long as it's giving off warmth, it's there. It doesn't get old. Um, and the same thing is with regard to tradition. As long as we are in tune with the light and warmth of the tradition and we are proud of it and happy with it, our children sense that. And uh, they, they adopt those traditions and they internalize it and they give it over to their children. Uh, Hanukkah, actually, the word Hanukkah, mm-hmm. uh, the Hebrew word Hanukkah is etymologically linked to the word in Hebrew for education, chinuch. So the idea of Hanukkah, it's a, very, uh, it's a holiday that's focused on education, the education of children. An interesting tradition on Hanukkah is to give children money. We call it Hanukkah gelt. Gelt is the Yiddish word for money. Okay. So you've probably seen the commercialized version of gelt, which is the chocolate coins. Yes. But the original thing is not chocolate coins. It's actually real money. It's a, it's a tradition to give children money. And the reason for that is because when you educate a child, you can do it in several ways. You can teach them. You can preach to them, give them information, and hope that they will internalize it and appreciate what you are saying. It may take many years for them to really appreciate the messages that you are giving them. However, when you train a child to do something, that has automatic results. That becomes a very real thing for the child. So if you want to teach a child to give, to give charity, to give to others, so when you give them money on Hanukkah and they are, they are told that some of that money remains with you and you can do whatever you'd like with that, you can buy yourself a gift or candy, whatever that may be, but some of that money should go to charity. So they are empowered to be givers. Okay. Because like this, a child doesn't have his own money, right? They have everything from their parents. But on Hanukkah, we give them that money. We give it to them as a gift. This is your money to do with it as you please and as you understand. And we channel their, their young minds to appreciate that the money they have, some of it needs to go to others. So we educate them to be givers and to be on the giving end. And uh, no matter where they may be in life, they should, they should remember that lesson. That's really special. I had no idea how far, how deep that tradition goes in, and, and that's uh, that's something to be learned even now, like right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you asked earlier after we light the eighth candle tonight, then what? Right. You know, what happens then? Is there no more light? No. The answer is well, we t- you know we had eight days where we were being trained by the candles. You know, we started off with only one candle on the first night right. uh, because it, it's dark outside. And how do you fight the darkness? How do you get rid of it? Start with one candle. One candle can can chase away a lot of uh, one light, one flame can chase away a lot of darkness. But on the second night, we have to add. Never be satisfied with yesterday's accomplishments. We always have to increase. And so the menorah is really training us in how to bring light to the entire world. Start off with one good deed, with one positive 
concept with with one smile mm-hmm. and then constantly increase consistently and in ever increasing manner so we've been trained for eight days and now we're ready to go to the rest of the year with that lesson so tomorrow evening at sundown when it's all said and done and you get to wrap up this edition of of hanukkah what happens tomorrow evening tomorrow evening we uh we don't sit back, relax, and enjoy ourselves. We have to. T- it's really from then on. It's about applying the lessons of Hanukkah. So while the ritual is finished, and we're not going to light another menorah, right. uh, but um, but we we the, the idea. Everything that we do needs to have an impact on the way we think. And uh, thinking Hanukkah in the Hanukkah way does not have to end tomorrow night. Right. That can continue forever until next Hanukkah, and we'll have, again, that training from the menorah. The way that I look at the, the entire process is something that should have been embraced worldwide thousands of years ago and been applied across the board. And somehow, it just some certain societies forget all of that until it's almost too late. But it's never, it's too, never late. too late. <laughs> it's never too late because, again, when you light the next candle, when you light that next candle, you're never satisfied with what you did yesterday. That's right. You have to build on tomorrow. You have to build on today. It's how we, we teach our kids in broadcasting. That show was great. What are you going to do tomorrow? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and I see the, the disappointment in their faces, and then I say, no, 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 think about it. What are you going to do? What's, what's your next thing? What do you want to do? And that's how you build on life. And I think that's a wonderful thing. The curious question that I have as a Gentile, I guess, is that we celebrate Christmas on a specific day, December 25th. Yeah, in certain societies, we stretch it out all across the board. But Hanukkah follows a different calendar. Next year, Hanukkah starts on the evening of December 2nd. How does that happen? Yeah, I know it's pretty confusing, um, and I'll I'll try to explain it. Um, the 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 regular calendar um, it, it goes on. It, it's like a it's based on the seasons, right? So it's three hundred and sixty five days, and uh, it's pretty much uh, that that's how we that's the regular calendar uh, that we use here in the United States and throughout the world. The Jewish calendar is a bit different. It's um, it, it is based off of the lunar cycles. So a Jewish month is following the cycle of the moon. So, for example, today is the beginning of a new moon, right? Okay. There was a new moon last night. Mm-hmm. So today is actually the first day of a new Jewish month. So it's a lunar cycle. It's based on the lunar cycle as well as the solar cycle because the festivals need to be in very specific seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's a very intricate type of calendar uh, which was set up. 2,000 years ago. It, it began at Sinai and it developed. Um, and so we, we just call it the Jewish calendar. And so it doesn't always match up with the dates on the regular calendar, yeah. uh, but, it's, but Hanukkah will always be in the winter. Okay. It will always be, you know, between Thanksgiving and, 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 and January 1st, always, you know, somewhere there. I believe a few years ago that was the, the first day of Han- the first night of Hanukkah was on Thanksgiving itself, yes. which is a very rare occurrence. So while the dates are constantly jumping, it will always be in the December area okay. because uh, the Jewish calendar is a lunar one as well as a solar one based on the seasons. 
That's, you know, for me, I think that's really adventurous. I like the way that happens. because yeah. Keep you on your toes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> what are you going to do next year? You know, that kind of a thing. And I like that. Rabbi, thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing uh, all of the great uh, lessons of Hanukkah. Do you have a favorite story about Hanukkah? I have a favorite story. Um, there's a, a story that I, I learned of recently that happened with uh, – a rabbi in California. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, I am part of a movement called Chabad Lubavitch, which is led uh, by Rabbi Schneerson, the late Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, he was a great Jewish leader. Um, he, took, uh, he became the leader of the movement in 1950s. That was right after the devastation of the Holocaust. He lived in New York. And um, he taught his students um, not only to build up their own communities, but to go out to other communities and to bring the light and joy of Judaism to them. Uh, my parents were sent here 30 years, over 30 years ago by the Rebbe to start um, a Chabad center here. And there are Chabad centers throughout the world. So there's a center in California uh, that every Hanukkah, they have a tradition that they take a very large menorah and they do a public menorah lighting in a new location every year. Okay. And um, several years ago, they, they found a, you know, like a shopping mall and they asked them for permission to light the menorah there. And they gave them permission right away. But when they came there, they realized that the entire shopping mall was pretty much empty. There was only one, uh, there was like a, a movie theater that was open. So they thought that it was, uh, you know, a lost opportunity. And, uh, but they decided, look, we have the menorah here. We have a small little crowd. Let's do a celebration. And they had that celebration. Several years later, this rabbi meets up with a young man who started to come to his classes. And one time the rabbi was talking about life and afterlife. And this man walks up to him afterwards and he says, you know, your class really uh, affected me. Years, years past, he, he was going through a very hard time in life, and at one point he was contemplating suicide. And he decided he was going to take his daughter out to a, to a movie, and the next day he's going to do it. And as he was going to the movie, he saw this celebration with a big menorah, and he was Jewish, so he was attracted to that celebration. And they were dancing, and they brought him into the circle, and he said the joy and the, and the, and the warmth uh, that he felt then changed his mind. And uh, he just wanted to tell the rabbi that. And when the rabbi realized what occurred, you know, they, they went to bring the light and joy of Hanukkah to as many people as possible. And they realized they came to an empty, empty shopping mall. It turned out that that celebration saved a life. So uh, th that, that's the power of the light of the menorah that mm -hmm. is there to inspire all of us, no matter where we may be in life. And uh, it's just there to uh, remind us that good will always overcome evil. Freedom will always overcome slavery. And light will always overcome darkness, and it's all up to us. It reminds me of that saying that I heard years and years ago as a, as a child, better to light a candle than curse the darkness. Absolutely. If you think about it, the candle doesn't preach to the darkness. Right. It just does its thing. <laughs> the candle does its thing. So do your thing, and that's the way to fight all, all problems. We will continue to do our thing, and we invite you to come back and do your thing here as well. Mikasa Sukasa, anytime that you'd love to come in and, and – uh, Let's just have a, a wonderful chat. I think we can do that. I enjoyed it. Rabbi, thank you for thank the opportunity. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, that uh, compact disc that you have in front of you, let's go ahead and start something from that album. Absolutely. Um, Kenny Ellis is a cantor. I guess he's still a cantor in Agora Hills, California. Um, hey, that's where the story happened. <laughs> really? <laughs> there you go. Good, Good deal. Let's do a piece off of this album called Children of the Maccabees. And... Uh, We'll go from there and 
bid you happy Hanukkah and a wonderful life, and please come back. We'd love to have you back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you, too. Oh uh-huh.